Kessler here from Grunthal. Paul Kingsley with the 30-second board to five. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallup. Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, Guts Racing, 204 Skate Shop, and Throttle Syndicate make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. This one being a very special one. And I want to give a huge shout out to my friends over at MXP Magazine. Uh, Great Canadian publication. They've been nice enough to uh, help me out getting to a few races this past year. And I always enjoy having Chris Pomeroy on the podcast. We'll get to him in just a few minutes. But uh, I would seriously uh, want every single one of the Big MX Radio listeners to go over uh, on Instagram. And if you're not already following MXP Mag on Instagram, you are missing out and you need to quit that. You need to get with the times and uh, and, and start following MXP Mag on Instagram. And then uh, go ahead and uh, head on over to the website. they got some cool stuff going on over there. Always some great articles and uh, great information and uh, a little bit, probably a little bit more detail as to uh, their test and their initial thoughts of the 2023 YZF 450, uh, which is something that we talked to Palms uh, on this podcast about. So without further ado, let's go over to the podcast and get Chris Pomeroy on the Big MX Radio Podcast. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Fox Racing Canada. Go to the website, grab yourself a catalog, peruse through it, memorize the damn thing before heading over to one of your favorite local dealerships like Maple Ridge Motorsports. Pound on the desk, make sure that they get you fitted from toe to the top of your head, including off the, off the track stuff. You know if you want to turn heads when you roll up in your uh, big jacked up truck to the next practice session, you want to be looking the best in the latest and greatest from Fox Racing Canada, Fox Racing USA, also on board with us, but uh, we love our, our buddies, uh, JC Sites and Danica White over at Fox Racing Canada. They're amazing, and you guys are amazing for listening to this podcast. We appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Also on board with us is WUSA. John Anderson from WUSA wanted to let you know that if you call up W and you're looking for a brand new set of wheels and you mention Big MX Radio, you're going to not only save some money, but you're also going to get uh, some VIP treatment on top of that. Uh, and same goes with, uh, with Guts Racing. Uh, Andy Gregg over at Guts Racing, salty the earth kind of guy who absolutely loves the sport, uh, and, and reward him by getting yourself a brand new seat, seat foam, seat base, and of course those beautiful seat covers. They've got the Velcro ones you can switch out. Even a guy like me can get those things switched out 10-15 minutes easy. Get your Do yourself a favor and get a brand new seat cover from Guts or get your brand new seat tip to tail. That's what you want to do. Uh, Phoenix Handlebars also on board with us. 15% will save, you can save 15% with Big MX 15 at checkout. 
uh, at phoenixhandlebars.com. Great handlebars and uh, and great people. Jason Gerald over there, just a great guy. He's literally going to handle every single one of your orders and handle it with care. The box itself is literally packed by him. It's a small organization and, uh, and he spearheads every single order. So I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. This is episode... 879 of the Big MX Radio Podcast. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this uh, very much anticipated podcast that I've been trying to get going with uh, this individual on the line. Um, him and I have been a uh, little bit elusive. We're kind of like... Uh, 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 a 100 overall running back in Madden just can't tackle him, can't nail him down for nothing. Uh, but that's both of our faults because we're both busy guys, and uh, and frankly, just uh, that time zone thing also gets in the way every once in a while. Love having him on the show, love picking his brain, and that's why we talked for 20 minutes prior to having him on. And I've been introducing him now for the last two and a half minutes, and he's been sitting on the other line very quietly. Uh, and I appreciate that. Welcome back to the podcast, MXP Magazine, uh, basically Swiss Army Knife, and Canadian motocross legend, Chris Palm. Chris Pomeroy, how's it going? How's it going, Palms? Good, how are you? Hey, I'm doing how great, you, buddy? man. I'm doing well. Like uh, winter, unfortunately, has arrived, but much like summer showed up late, winter showed up late. So we kind of like we we got a delay on uh, our summer a little bit. We 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 didn't get to it as quickly as we thought we would. But then we it, it summer decided to hang out a little bit longer, and uh, we were able to do a little bit extra riding. The 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 tracks have been unreal around here, and uh, in a rare uh, situation where you're racing arena cross during the week weekends but racing outdoors and riding outdoors outdoor tracks during the week uh that is a luxury that we don't often get in in canada we've been able to enjoy that this year i've been able to do the same and uh and it looks like uh you've not only been uh, putting some time on the bike uh in in ontario but also south of the border and that's exactly why we wanted to have you on the show yeah i mean it's been uh i mean we've had a great fall here we had a really like a much warmer than normal and drier than normal uh September. I mean, you know, most years September's kind of nice in Ontario, but uh, for some reason, it uh, you know temperatures stayed really warm, and then um, yeah, they stayed nice. I mean, we've had a few days of rain and, and cooler weather here and there, but for the most part, October was nice, and um, yeah, we've been in it. I mean, like I like I said to you in the intro there before we were chatting, like tomorrow's the last nice day. It's gonna be probably 15 16 and sunny and then uh yeah friday's rain and then saturday it uh you know the proverbial stuff hits the fan and uh we get into normal november weather so um yeah you take it while you can get it and uh we've been blessed here so um yeah things are good no complaints on my end yeah, certainly sounds like you were able to get uh, some extended riding time in, which is always appreciated for us Canadians. Things are about to, like you said, go completely sideways. Uh, and I will go back to uh, shoveling my parking spots of my apartment out uh, like I did all winter long last year. We had a lot of cold and a lot of snow last year, but uh, uh, I guess that's the price we pay for living in one of the most beautiful countries on the face of the earth. Um, but uh, yeah, like, <clears throat> sounds like you were able to get some riding in uh, throughout the months of September and even into October. And uh, I, like you guys went to uh, the MX 101 uh, Canadian 
uh, launch for the Yamaha 450 as well as uh, the the Yamaha USA launch when you guys went down to the goat farm of all places uh, like it, it looked like so much fun I had extreme like ridiculous amounts of uh, fear of missing out like just big time FOMO while watching you guys do that it looked like an awesome time uh, let's start by talking a little bit about uh, the intro and riding around uh, up in here in Canada with some of those new Yamahas and seeing a guy like Sean Moffenbeyer, uh trying to break the throttle cable on a on a YZ125 or he should be in Canada it's a YZ125. Um, it all it looks like you also got to do some riding and then uh, and then going down to uh, the goat farm. So it's to kick, kick us off with uh, some Canadian content. Well, I mean this year Yamaha really stepped up. Um, I mean, the last few years we've been, they've had, you know, kind of a media day, even, even during COVID, they, uh, they managed to pull off kind of a ride day in the fall for, for us media and a few other, um, you know, kind of, uh, dignitaries, but, um, yeah, they always had it at Moto Park, which, you know, for me, it's only about, it's less than an hour away. So, so that, that's always been good, but, uh, this year they decided to move it to, uh, MX 101 facility there out by Ottawa. So a little longer drive for me and, um, you know, for, for most of the media guys, but, uh, it was nice just to have a change of scenery. And, you know, I love going to see Kevin Tyler and the gang out there at Sandali. And we spent, uh, yeah, we got two days, two days of riding on the new bike, um, which at the time was, that was the only one, uh, running in North America. So we were the first in North America to throw our leg over that bike and test it out. And I mean, there was only one there, so we all had to share it, which, uh, you know, which we did for sure. Um, we each took turns riding it and, uh, you know, having, like you said, having Moffenbeier there, um, Donk was there. Um, they introduced, um, you know, Sebastian Racine, um, so just, you know, having that group there, we went out for Tons dinner, of buzz, loving stayed it. over. Um, yeah, it was just, you know, it was low key, um, fun, just kind of a, a nice way to, to not only, you know, get together with the guys from Yamaha and ride the new bike, but, uh, you know, also kind of just to hang out and kind of celebrate, uh, kind of the season that, that we had kind of an end of the season, little get together, which was nice. For sure, almost like a uh, a Yamaha um, 2022 wind up. Like we always saw, uh, as if you're a hockey fan, you, you're uh, you're familiar with uh, the end of year wind up or the end of your banquet, uh, where you just kind of reminisce of the year that passed and maybe swap some stories. That like motocross uh, tailgates are, are are never shy with those. Um, connecting with uh, with guys like that that are, are deeply entrenched within the motocross community in in Canada, I, that's got to be a great opportunity for you to uh, like take a moment, catch up with people, uh, swap some uh, some memories. And honestly, I find myself whenever I find myself in situations like that, the exact same stories that we talked about last time we all got together come up again. And honestly, palms to me, they never get tired. I never get tired of rehashing those stories. I love it. Well, no, I mean, that's exactly it, right? But, you know, some of the best times are uh, are not on the track, but, but off the track when you're just sitting around and, uh, you know, talking shit and uh, listening to people tell their stories and, and stuff. So, um, 
you know, that's, that's the fun part of, uh, of any sport really. Right. But, uh, we've all been, you know, most of us play hockey. We've all been sitting in the dressing room after the game or before, you know, listening to people tell stories and, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun, but, um, you know, one of the coolest things, you know, kind of in that environment is you take someone, you know, we talked about like, say, uh, Sean Moffenbeier, you know, you take him most of the times I only see him at the track, you know, under the microscope pressure, you know, he's there to do a job. I'm there to do a job, you know, um, not that it's all serious. I mean, there's, there's jokes and stuff like that, but it's just a, a different environment, but you take him out of that, put him at that, you know, that ride day, for instance, um, especially with his mechanic, you know, like I said, Donk was there, um, listen to the two of them kind of dissect, um, you know, they had Moffenbeier's race bike there from, from this year. So we all got to ride that. Um, and yeah, just listening to, to those guys kind of talk about, um, the bike, um, and some of the stuff they did to, to Sean's race bike this year to get it to, to where he would feel, you know, felt comfortable on it. Um, you know, for me as a former, uh, you know, racer, at, you know, at a fairly high level, um, back in the day when, when we didn't, you know, I always wanted to do more testing. I always wanted to do this and that, but you know, it was just never, it was, wasn't really possible. And it was just kind of not the way we did things at the time. Um, so I didn't really get that part years ago. Um, it was more just, you know, get the bike going and get it to a, a setup that you like. And, you know, we left it kind of the same most of the year, but, uh, you know, so for me to listen to Moff and Donk, just like talk about, Oh, you know, we shortened this and, you know, we ran this gearing and all oh, we did this to make the bike do this. I mean, you know, I just, I sit there and just listen, right. I'm totally in, they could talk for days and, and I love it. And, uh, that's, you know, that's part of that was for me, that was one of the coolest things of that experience. Um, just being in that environment, everyone's chilled out, you know, no one's really caring what they're saying and they're just, you know, being brutally honest. And, um, yeah, you get all the, the little finer details, right? So yeah, other than, riding that new Yamaha, which was, which was awesome. Um, just being around everyone was, was a cool thing. No doubt, man. It's nice to hear that, uh, uh, Moff was able to just let his hair down and let fly and, uh, um, yeah, yeah, just be, be, be candid, be honest about, uh, yes, like having to set the machine up. Those guys are uh, extremely talented and they need an extremely tuned in motorcycle and uh it, it takes a whole team to get that it, that package together to be able to perform the way those guys do um what was what was it like riding that that machine uh how did it differ from uh, a stock model that you've ridden in the past and then uh uh how did it compare to um the big 2023 edition that you were able to swing a leg over down at the goat farm well i mean I will start off by saying that it was, I mean, that new, the 23 450 is, is unlike any Yamaha that, uh, that I've ridden in recent years, just as far as, uh, you know, a feel, um, a setup, just 
a whole package. Um, you know, even from just sitting on the bike, it, it looks different. It feels different underneath you. Um, and then once you, you know, let the clutch out and, and turn the throttle on a track, um, you know, it responds different. Um, it's, it's night and day. And then when you see, you know, and, and read about the, the specs of the new bike, um, you can see instantly why, why it feels different. Cause there's just so many changes to it. Um, everything from the chassis to, to the engine, to the weight. Um, it's just, it's not even comparable other than, um, you know, the plastics are blue. Right. But, um, so yeah, so it, it's a lot different. I mean, that's probably the biggest, biggest way. If I had to pick one word, I would, you know, say different and, you know, I don't want to, I wouldn't say, you know, good or bad or, you know, it's better than the old model. I know some people really like the old model. Um, some people are going to really like this new model. Right. Um, but man, they are night and day different. That's for sure. Certainly. From from the list that I was sent over from uh, Travis Preston at Yamaha as far as what switches over from one bike to the next, it's essentially forks, clamps, and a set of wheels. Everything else will essentially be um, neat. You won't be able to carry that forward from your previous Yamahas, but uh, all things considered... Um, I think the biggest thing to remember it, when it comes to when new bikes coming out, some people love it, some people don't. Like uh, the 2009 Honda, notorious for not being an upgrade from the 08. But I'm sure there's some people out there that absolutely love their 09 Honda and, and cherish it dearly, and they don't let it leave their garage uh, under with anybody but their careful supervision. I think the the biggest point there is that bikes are always evolving. They're always finding different ways to to to. Uh, improve the overall package and, and in so, in some cases uh, <clears throat> that might produce uh, symptoms that uh, like that might not be awesome like the I know back in the day say like it was give you an example would be the 2003 kx 125 which was a brand new chassis but it was the 2002 engine they did not it didn't, didn't basically change the engine from the previous model uh, they basically bolted that into a brand new chassis which Apparently, from my understanding, it handled very illy, and uh, it, it did not like basically like bring out all the great characteristics of that new uh, new chassis, which of course came in in two thousand and four. Um, but uh, you you can't change everything lock, stock, and barrel all at once. So that was sort of a, a two year process, and and sometimes that that can happen uh, with, with other bikes. And it, like maybe that's the case for the Yamaha, but for everything that I've heard. Um, tells me that the the bike uh, steers very sharply. Um, it's uh, it's it's got the one of the most uh, most sturdy power plants in the class. Uh, you and I both know neither one of us need more power out of a four fifty. And uh, overall, great package. Yeah, no, it's uh, you know the changes that they've they've made. Um, I mean, as they said, uh, you know, in the presentation down in Florida before we rode, um, you know, I, you mentioned Travis Preston, um, you know, he was, he was on site there and he gave uh, kind of a nice presentation on, on the bike. And he said, you know, I mean, this bike, they've been working on this bike since before COVID. Right. And um, they worked on it all through COVID um, and the whole process due to COVID and, you know, everything that we experienced, um, 
you know, they had to go through while doing R and D on this bike. And, um, it changed the way that they, uh, did stuff. And they did a lot of virtual stuff with Japan. Um, you know, a lot of back and forth, obviously, you know, with, especially with the time change in Japan, you know, they would ride all day. Um, and then, you know, have a virtual meeting after they rode in California. And of course the guys in Japan are just waking up. So, you know, it's morning there and, um, yeah, it was, it was really cool to hear kind of the process that Yamaha and the test riders and, um, the R and D department went through to get this bike, um, to get this bike right. Because un- unlike the, the 09 Honda, which ironically, I also attended the 09 press launch, which was in Texas at, at the old Lake Whitney track. Right. Um, I attended that and spent the day, two days riding that bike. And I came away from that really, I thought the bike was awesome. And, you know, it's that day at Lake Whitney riding that bike, you know, it was like a late September in Texas. Um, the weather was perfect. The track was perfect. Um, I, I still consider it one of my best days ever on a motorcycle as far as enjoyment goes. Um, I love that bike and I had an 09 Honda, um, that whole, you know, when the model came out here the following year, cause I rode it September of 08. So, um, I, you know, I realized the issues everyone had with the bike. Um, I felt it certainly, but, um, for me, they weren't, um, you know, catastrophic the way some people kind of felt the setup of that bike was, but, um, you know, that was Oh nine, Oh eight, you know, that era, um, fast forward to now. And I think with, you know, social media being what it is, um, media, everything, um, as a manufacturer, I just, I don't think you can afford to, to miss, um, as far as, how a bike works like you can't afford to put out a bike that's not tested um that just doesn't work i mean there's gonna be people that don't like it but just for the most part um the bike has to be good and the amount of work they've done on this new yamaha um and just kind of how how they went about taking a bike that taking a package that already was was kind of you know, tested and was working well. And as we saw in the last few years in the U S you know, it just started to, to win races and win championships with, you know, Fernandez and of course, Tomac, um, this year, like the bike was good. Right. And they, they figured it out. And then, um, to go to this thing, to this new bike, um, it had to be, you know, it had to be not just as good, but it had to be a better version of what they had or you know, then there's no, or there's no point in doing it. And, um, you know, I think they, I think they nailed it. Um, you know, that's awesome. The new bike is, yeah. I mean, the new bike, it just, it takes things that, you know, um, devoted blue crew riders who love the YZ 450. Um, you know, it's taken, what they love about the bike, the old bike. And, um, 
said, listen, this is a better version of the old bike. And, um, it, you know, honestly, it really is. That's great to hear. And like heading down to a place like the goat farm, uh, especially for like, there's, there's plenty of media people who have been in the States that have been down there a number of times. Um, it's almost like a Canadian, like for us Canadians, it's like going down to Disney World. Like it's almost like it's something you've only seen in, seen in magazines. Um, and to go there and, and see the water truck and see the shop and, and, and see the, the corner tracks where you know uh, RC put in endless amounts of time. It's almost like uh, stepping onto like hollow ground, if you can, if you would. Like just like this is where it happened. Uh, take me through... Like uh, going down there with uh, with Kevin Tyler and the whole gang, and uh, and just how special that sort of excursion is. Like it, it's it's business, it's work to go down there and uh, and take in and, and basically dot dot all your eyes, cross all your t's to make sure that you're uh, you're you're basically shaking down the motorcycle the best you can to give great feedback. But at the very same time, it's an extremely um, like it's the that in itself is sort of the the pageantry and the magistry of professional motocross is that there's these cathedrals that celebrate the sport that still exist that people can like yourself can go and enjoy and uh yeah in one year's time uh if, if mike Ulrich is listening and i know he does listen to this podcast if i'm not included in that invite <clears throat> i'll be personally hurt <laughs> um no i mean uh you know a few years ago, you know, prior to COVID, I think it was the summer of 2018, I got to go to uh, Baker's factory for a Husqvarna launch. And I mean, at the time, I thought that was about as cool as as it gets, um, you know, driving through the gates of of that place and, and seeing, you know, where, you know, what do they say where, you know, champions are made, right? But, um, you know, that was cool in its own different way. But, you know, like you said, driving, you know, I can remember, you know, all of us, you know, me, Kevin Tyler, um, you know, Kyle Thompson, um, Justin from Yamaha, uh, Brad Nemeth, we were all driving, you know, out to the goat farm on the Thursday morning. And the way Yamaha had set up was perfect because it was two days. The first day, was um, just kind of going to the track, getting a tour of the facility. Um, you know, we got to watch the, the star racing guys train on Supercross, um, you know, static photos, all that kind of got that all out of the way on the Thursday. And then Friday was just for riding, which was super cool. Cause sometimes these media things are, are kind of packed into one day and it becomes pretty rushed and, and chaotic and stuff. So, um, but anyway, we were driving out there Thursday morning. Uh, it was, you know, not, I just want to set the, set the stage here a little bit, like a cold front had kind of gone through Florida. So it was a little bit cool for, uh, you know, late October in Florida. And, you know, so there was some fog and everything and just a little bit of fog above the ground. And, you know, it was early morning. We were driving out, of course, the whole way out, we're talking, 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 you know, telling stories, laughing, all this stuff. And of course, you know, no one's been there before. So we get to the driveway and, you know, the Siri or whatever tells us to, we've arrived, turn in the driveway. And then 
you know, I think Kevin Tyler was like, Oh, is this it? And we we're like, yeah. And then everything just went silent as we drove up kind of a, a shorter kind of windy driveway. Everyone was just silent, just looking around. Like no one was talking. Everyone was just like in awe. And then of course you saw the number four water truck and it's like, wow, this is, you know, the cabin's still there. Um, it was just, you know, our first impression was it kind of took your breath away because it was just, a, like you said, it's such an iconic facility. I mean, there's just, you know, what Star Racing's done with it is incredible. Um, you know, kind of like the Yamaha, you know, the new Yamaha, you know, Star Racing took everything that was good about the goat farm and made it even better, right? So um, good on them for, for doing that. But uh, yeah, just, I don't know, there's just a, uh, aura that you know you just felt like you were somewhere really special that's awesome yeah they know you definitely uh, uh did or it's a little bit of theater of the mind if you will uh being able to uh to to walk into like i said a cathedral of motocross uh that the star racing yamaha has only improved since taking over over there and uh it's awesome to hear um was was like what's the track like that you guys were able to ride? Were you able to ride multiple tracks and uh, like based on the conditions um, that you were able to ride? Like how does it like obviously you, you're only able to base your opinion of the motorcycle on the, like of how it performed in those conditions? Um, do you think that it would um, act differently if you're on like sort of a, a, a hard pack blue groove track, or did you get a feel of how it might be uh, like? If, if you took this bike to sand, would it, you'd be able to set it up properly? Um, or is it, uh, did you not get enough seat time to really be able to tell? Well, I mean, that was kind of one of the advantages that, that, uh, that I had because I was lucky enough to have spent, you know, kind of a, you know, I already had probably, you know, two, two hours on it total, um, at Sandali. So, I kind of had an idea how the bike worked in those conditions um, at that track. So, so I was able to, to kind of see it on those multiple surfaces and stuff because the track at, um, at the goat farm was, I mean, it was actually, it was a pretty cool track because it had a little bit of everything. It had, you know, some, you know, a little bit of softer sections. Um, Of course they had it, you know, prepped really well. Um, so it was pretty, you know, had good moisture in it, had some big jumps on it, um, some good elevation changes, um, a little bit of everything. And the only thing it didn't have was, was sand. But then, like I said, I kind of had already tested the bike in that, you know, at Santa Lee. So I kind of knew how it would work, you know, where the, you know, you're looking for a little more, a little more power and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, no, it was, the track of the goat farm was, was ideal for, for testing, um, for what we were there to do. Right. Um, you know, it was technical enough that you could do different things with the bike, put it in different situations, but it was also, um, you know, kind of relaxed enough that you could ride and still kind of think, you know, use half your brain to, you know, use half your brain to ride and use the other half to kind of dissect, what's going on with the bike and, and how it feels, which is really ultimately, you know, what we're made to do. Right. So, um, no, it was, 
perfect conditions for, for what we're supposed to be doing. That's awesome, man. Well, good, good to hear you've got great conditions in Ontario up until tomorrow, and um, and you'll and you had great conditions down in Florida. Um, and same can be said about the uh, the conditions that uh, we were able to enjoy in uh, some some rounds of Canadian Arena Cross slash Supercross, uh, not only in uh, in Sarnia earlier in the month, but uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, the Triple Crown Series wrapped up their year in Calgary. You were on hand for that. You flew the entire family out. Uh, it looks sounds like your son also got to do some riding. Um, aboard uh, a, a Kawasaki, and um, yeah, like just kind of run me through uh, to going going to some uh, Can- Canadian Triple Crown Series races, man. Uh, Arena Cross is action packed. It always has uh, talented riders flying in tight formation, and uh, and chaos always ensues. Um, take us through uh, your your little junket out to Calgary. Well, I mean, I'll first start off by saying that. I'm a, you know, huge fan of, of indoor racing, whether you're five years old or whether you're a 25 year old pro. Um, I'm a big fan of, of indoor racing. I think everyone should, should try to do it, you know, a few times a year, um, or at very least get out and try to practice on, on some of it. I know after Walton, um, we made a big effort here, uh, Steve Sims and I, um, and Tyler Gibbs, um, and also, you know, my son Ayrton helped, um, Josh Bryan was here too at the time he helped, like a, we all pitched in and we built a pretty cool supercross track at my house here. Um, just for like, really for, I mean, Tyler won't practice on it for, for the triple crown series. Um, but mostly just, just to practice on, like I opened it up to anyone that want to come riding, um, you know, we had uh, Tanner Ward came up for a day. That was cool. Um, Jess Pettis almost came up last week or two weeks ago before Calgary, but but the weather didn't cooperate. But, um, yeah, we had some kids out. Um, I'm just, a, like I said, I'm just a, a big fan of it, and I think everyone should, should try it and make kind of an effort to, um, to ride in those conditions just because I think it makes you – just a better rider overall. Um, that's like I said, that's my opinion. And that's kind of the thinking behind, um, you know, kind of getting my son to race. Um, he raced a go for supercross, uh, in September, uh, the end of, or we went to Sarnia. He actually rode my 450 in Sarnia, um, because they weren't, there was no two strokes allowed. So, um, he rode my Lame. AX 450, um, which was cool. And then, uh, we shipped, uh, triple crown. Those guys were, were nice enough to take some of the Eastern guys bikes out to Calgary. So we, uh, yeah, we threw his YZ 125 in there and, uh, they drove it out and then we were able to, to get a good deal on flights. And, uh, yeah. So I took the, the whole family out cause my brother lives in Calgary. So he kind of made it a multi-day, uh, excursion and stuff so um yeah it was fun it was real fun and uh you know my wife and son hadn't they hadn't traveled you know with COVID and stuff obviously they hadn't traveled for god like three years so they were excited to go to the airport and get on a plane and and go somewhere um so 
yeah, it was a good, uh, it was a good weekend. I'm, uh, I've written about it a, a couple times, you know, on the mxpmag.com in my Monday gate drop. But, uh, I thought that Calgary event was, was kind of the, it took the best, the best from Gopher, the best from Sarnia and kind of combined everything into, uh, kind of a, a grand finale, um, of the series and, uh, you know, the venue in Calgary is, is perfect for arena cross and what, uh, the triple crown series, what those guys want to do. Um, the floor is a little bigger than in a, than an arena, um, which makes, you know, the track gets better. The racing gets better indoor pits. Yeah. I mean, it was, thankfully the weather was good. Um, I know that the weekend after it crapped out, so we were lucky to be there on that weekend. But, um, yeah, I know it was a great weekend. And also, you know, I will add that uh, it was also the best amateur turnout of, this, of the indoor series because uh, some kids came over from, from BC. Uh, Alberta's got a strong um, indoor presence in the amateur scene. Um, yeah, so the amateur classes were we're all full and um, they're fun to watch. There's some there's kids in the West, man. They're, they're talented. They got some indoor skills. I don't know if it's the future West series that kind of has helped groom them, but uh, those kids are fast indoors. It's good to see. Oh, absolutely. None, uh, none other than Dexter sites from Calgary. Like that kid, <laughs> first of all, that kid's got skills also tough as a $2 steak for ha- taking that huge digger in uh, in the, was it was the heat race for the main event and ended up uh, racing back like anyone else like if I if you or I are, are taking that uh, that hit palms we are out for weeks if not a month plus uh, that kid shakes it off and and still finishes the race hats off to the kid and yeah like basically sending the triple triple that I think only other the only other guys who do it were the pros uh, I'm impressed I like I, I don't know that I'm sending that I know you are because you're just special like that but I'm not well he is uh I've always you know enjoyed watching Dexter race and of course uh you know you put him on a on a supercross track and and he really excels. He's just got that kind of natural supercross technique and stuff. But um, yeah, that uh, that triple that triple in caught a few people, and um, you know there was a few kids that that crashed, including um, my son took a pretty good header off that in the his heat race on uh, Saturday night. Um, just came up a little a little short and, um, you know, had a pretty spectacular get off. And thankfully he, uh, the bike went one way. He went the other way and landed soft and, uh, kind of like Dex too. He got, got up, landed almost, he didn't land on his feet, but he jumped to his feet and looked around and where's my bike. And I was like, okay, he's all right. And, uh, it was, uh, yeah, my heart stopped for, for a couple seconds, but uh, my thought went from I hope he's going to be okay to how are we going to fix this bike because he still had one more moto to go about 15 minutes later. So, well, how'd you th- how'd you get the back thing the thing back together? Do you like uh, dust off your Superman mechanicing powers and and straighten off the subframe, or what was the deal? Well, it was kind of a 
it was kind of a mess anyway because we took out like i said we took out his yz or they took it out he raced the yz on friday night everything was good and then um on in practice um on saturday morning he came in and he was like god something's not something doesn't feel right with this bike and i'm like oh it's you know maybe the jetting you know we're at different altitude here and i don't know and he's like oh it's just something's not right i'm like okay well so he went out one more practice and then they had afternoon kind of heat races which seated you into the night show so i took the bike outside before his heat race to warm it up and it was hard to start which was kind of the first clue um so i'm like okay this is not it's usually not hard to start so um i kept kicking it finally it started and it was making like a really weird noise for for a two-stroke and i was like oh god this is not good so i leaned up against the building i ran in i got donk who was there wrenching for weston grabbed donk i said come listen to this bike we ran outside um it was uh and he's like you know he listened to it and he's like yeah i don't something's something is not right and then by that time, um, the bike had no compression. So I'm like, okay, this is like, we're kind of, we're done. I mean, I'm not going to send him out there on a bike that's going to, you know, probably, um, you know, malfunction. So right. I'm like, what am I going to do? So I had my cell phone. I called Steve Sims, who was back here in Ontario. And... You know, as you know, Tyler Gibbs had got hurt the night before or the day before. So right. he was out. So I called Steve Sims. I'm like, hey, listen, like you can say no. I understand. But this is the problem with Ayrton's bike. You think he could ride Tyler's bike because his heat race is like staging right now. And Steve's like, no, go ahead. You know, that's cool. Um, just tell him to take it easy. I'm like, okay. So I ran back in they were like staging his moto, like pushing bike to the line. I grabbed Ayrton. I'm like, okay, you're riding Tyler's bike. Your bike's not working. And he's like, okay. So I, we grabbed Tyler's bike, which was just sitting in the pit, took it to the start, wheeled it up, picked the last gate. And I'm like, okay, just take it easy. Like get used to the bike. And he ended up whole shotting and winning his heat race. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, he can adapt. He'll be fine. So, um, yeah, he ran up racing Tyler Gibbs's bike for the rest of the rest of the day and then into the night. And that's the bike that he crashed and, and cartwheeled on. So thankfully all it broke was a clutch lever in his big crash. And we fixed that quickly and got him out for that last race of the night. And, um, he ended up second, um, and, uh, ended on a, ended on a positive note. So, um, yeah, thanks to Steve Sims and that, uh, Troy Lee gas gas team for, uh, for letting Ayrton ride their bike and, um, and Tyler Gibbs as well. So it all, uh, it all worked out. Makes for a good story anyway. Well, absolutely. And just another case of, uh, like Canadian moto or just moto in general, 
I have probably half a dozen stories of times I was at a motorcycle or motocross race, either the bike broke or I showed up without a bike and someone's like, do you have gear with you? I'm like, yeah, I have gear with me. And I can still, I can still find a way to ride my bike, uh, still get some laps in, uh, a broken motorcycle is no excuse to not race, uh, more often than not when you've got great friends in and around. And, and that's just honestly like that. So doesn't surprise me when it comes to a guy like Steve Sims, like, I've only spoken to him a few times in the the national series comes through here, but the guy is like salty of the earth, so so welcoming, so warm, and like he's he'll bust your balls just as quickly. But uh, just a great guy to deal with and a great guy to have around the uh, sport. And also, I want to mention just how happy to hear that I he's doing quite well uh, after uh, um, a bit of his health scare there. Uh, and I don't know if you're probably a little bit closer with him than I am, but, uh, hopefully he's doing, uh, doing better and, and progressively better as the time goes by. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, for sure. I just, I actually saw him earlier tonight, um, a little bit. So no, he's doing, uh, he's doing much better. Um, he's getting stronger, stronger every day. And, um, you know, I mean, you, the whole thing with, you know, lending a bike or, or whatever, like you said, we've all been there. Um, it just, it goes back to, to what I was saying there at, when we did the Yamaha ride at, at Sandalee. It's just, it's that moto family, man. We're all, uh, you know, we're all in it together. You know, we all have, you know, kind of a, a common purpose. Um, you know, we, we laugh, we cry, um, you know, we go through every emotion at the track um, during the week, whatever, but you know, we do it kind of together. Right. So, um, you know, if I need to borrow a bike or you need to borrow a bike or, you know, unfortunately, you know, Steve goes down with some serious injuries um, and is in the hospital for, for over a month. I mean, people just pull together and um, you know, we try to help each other and uh, you know, that's, I know it happens in every sport, but, uh, you know, the sport just seems kind of on a different level when it comes to the family and, and everyone just kind of being there for each other. It's, it's pretty cool. It really is. And it, it's one thing, like, say, like, for, for instance, like a, a case of a sport like hockey. If I show up without, if I, for some reason, like, I shoot left, and if I show up and for some reason I don't have my hockey stick, one of my teammates is going to, is going to, like, let me borrow their left handed stick. I'm sure they brought two, like everyone else is supposed to. But it's completely different in motocross when you actually loan your motorcycle to a competitor. Uh, like the other team is like, Hey man, I forgot my stick. And they'd be like, that sucks for you. And would just go on playing their game. Uh, and same thing with goes with any other stick and ball sport, but I've literally almost lost to my own motorcycle multiple times. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a special thing within the sport of motocross is that, uh, it's, it honestly, it's tied in right in there with, uh, whether it's the first or the 2000th time you're rolling out of a motocross track and you happen to like lock eyes with another fellow racer and you kind of give them a little nod or a wave. And it's this like mutual unspoken, always agreed that, uh, hey, this is a crazy sport. Uh, we empty our wallets for it. We empty our hearts for it. And, uh, like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're uh, 
blazing the fastest lap times around the track or uh, or barely uh, making it around the obstacles the way I do. Uh, there's a mutual respect there. It's a kinship and a brotherhood that we absolutely love, and I think that's one of the many reasons why we keep coming back. Yeah, no, I would uh, I would completely agree with with what you just said. Um, it is uh, it's a special sport, and um, you know I think unless you've you've done it, um, you know it's hard to to explain because yeah, I mean other sports you know touch on a little bit, but um, you know nothing like nothing like motocross and um, just how people pull together it's uh it's nice i mean even like i like i said in calgary there when when Ayrton crashed and you know we basically had 15 minutes to to straighten up the front end and find a clutch lever and um you know i had to go over to the um to mitchell harrison's team and um you know say hey do you do you have a clutch lever and you know you know, everyone kind of is in the same boat, you know, they don't have a lot of parts there. Um, but they went through their, their parts bin and, you know, right at the bottom's like, Oh, here's a clutch lever. And I'm like, are you sure? Cause I don't want to take, you know, if Mitchell needs it, you know, he's going for a title. I don't want to, they're like, ah, no, don't worry about it. If we need it, we'll, we'll get it. And I'm like, all right. And I run back and put it on Gibbs's bike and, wheel it up to the line for, for Ayrton's last race. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. And, uh, you know, it's give and take, you know, you help people when they need it and in return, they help you back when you need it. So. Absolutely. Like you, you've been around this sport palms for hell 40 years plus, uh, you yourself have to have had some stories where you borrowed someone's ray, uh, bike to even like probably like right from like the get go of the whole weekend, maybe not even on race day, but like, Hey, palms, you're racing this weekend. And like, no, I'm not racing. Cause I don't have a bike. Bullshit. You don't have a bike. You're, you're we're, like, we're getting you fitted out. Um, I'm sure you've got a story like that, uh, whether it be racing an arena cross or, or something along those lines. Yeah. I mean, you know, back in those days, it was a lot of, uh, especially when, you know, when I was a kid, um, you know, growing up and racing in Ontario and then, you know, from Ontario, you know, we did, we kind of dipped into Michigan a little bit just cause it's one of the neighboring States to us here. And, um, you know, once I got a taste of racing in Michigan against like, you know, the Brian Swanks and the Eric McClears and, you know, the John Kitches and those, you know, that was kind of the era um, that we were doing uh, on 85s and, and stuff together. Um, you know, back then it was, um, it wasn't like, you know, I feel like people didn't have, you know, maybe spare bikes, right? But um, there was certainly the the help to to fix any problem that you had. You know, maybe they couldn't come up with a part that you needed or, you know, a bike, so to speak. But, um, you know, if you broke something, you know, they'd be all hands on deck, uh, to fix it, whether that was, you know, zip tying something together. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, it was just, I just remember people just pitching in to get you to the, to the line, like other dads helping and, um, you know, everyone kind of just 
making sure you got to line and you could show up at the line and look down a front fender that's got, you know, 18 zip ties holding it together. But at the time, you know, you didn't care. Nowadays, it's a little different. You know, people pull out a new front fender or whatever, or a new clutch lever and say, here, go, you know, you'd have a new part on your bike. But back then, people didn't really have that many parts from what I remember. So it was always, you know, kind of a, it's probably where that show MacGyver came from because everyone just MacGyvered stuff up, right? So. Yeah, that honestly, that that's one of the things I've been meaning to uh, make some content around is just the how different things were not even that long ago. Like uh, when I started racing, it was like for you to have pre-printed numbers, like to like have graphics on your bike, was very rare. Like to actually have numbers that were pre-printed was like in two thousand two thousand and one, like. Very few had it. In fact, even in the Canadian Nationals, like I have a uh, Mike Craig number plate from I believe that's the O O one season, and that it's it's a like a it's a background with numbers already on it. Uh, so that's probably the earliest that I can remember seeing a lot of that. But everything right from like positioning your numbers to like I always found it hilarious is you you'd get like products. Like say you've got like a Renthal, you'd still usually get it. Like if you got bars or if you got a, a, a sprocket, you would get a Renthal chain wheel s- sticker, and that's going straight on the uh, the swing arm, uh, sponsored or not. Or you'd get all the like, you get the uh, Scott goggle stickers that would come with the goggles, and you'd you'd line those up on your back fender, looking like you're sponsored and all that fun stuff. It would make you look pro. You'd still be going slow like me, but uh, those are some of the uh, the things about. Uh, old school moto, or I guess '90s moto, that I certainly miss. It kind of, kind of, uh, create a certain je ne sais quoi uh, that was attached to the sport at the time. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, speaking of jerseys and stuff, I didn't get, uh, you know, jerseys pre-printed um, yep. until I think '96 when I got a, a sponsor from uh, Decal Works um, over there near Chicago. Um, and they hooked me up with, uh, you know, some screen prints for, uh, you know, with Pomeroy and my number and stuff. And I just put them on. But uh, up until that point, it was, you know, you'd get that uh, kind of jersey kit with the iron-ons and you'd have to do it yourself. And I mean, I can remember sitting in my living room with an iron or asking my mom to do it. And, you know, she'd be, you'd be you have to cut out the letters and put them just right and then you'd iron them and then hope they peeled off perfectly. Sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't, um, you know, they'd last a month and then you'd lose a letter. So your name would be something different on it. But, uh, yeah, but uh, I mean, you know, for the most part, no one cared back then cause everyone's in the same boat. So. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it was all every nobody had the 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 pre-printed stuff or or just having like honestly like the name and number on the back of the jersey. Like I remember guys running like a straight up a hockey name bar that in order to have their the the name on the back of the jersey it was pretty much unheard of unless you uh, knew somebody that was pretty good with uh, heat transfers and stuff along those lines. It's definitely a bygone era, and uh, a lot of times back in the day, you wa- you look at a privateer's bike, and essentially it, it often had like the OEM graphics on there or just nothing because the, like they they didn't have a lot of uh, pre printed graphics and stuff throughout the the, the 90s, and that's uh, just straight up not how it is anymore. Although you do see a lot of uh, factory guys uh they, they do like 
a lot of testing and stuff. They just like leave the graphics off because those guys just shred it every every single time they're on the bike. It's amazing how how hard they can be on bikes. Um, which the, that kind of like begs, like I know you, I like, probably have to let you go at some point. Uh, uh, Palms, it's, it's knocking on ten o'clock uh, on your side of the thing, but yeah, I know you could stay up all night talking old motorcross stories, but. Uh, two thing, two 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 stories that I need to get out of you is I need a Quebec arena cross st- story of you going up uh, and taking uh, money out of the uh, the hard earned hands of uh, of Quebecers heading back to Ontario uh, as a uh, like almost like a um, motocross evangelical barnstormer of the mid nineties, just going around and just uh, and knocking down moto wins, podiums and everything else in between, as well as it was a very common place to, uh, to go down to Florida back in the day in the nineties, as it is now uh, for can- Canadians to go get some uh, riding time when it's, uh, it's bitterly cold in the months of February and March. Um, and, and sometimes even uh, like try your hand at some supercross uh, in the form of racing the Daytona supercross by Honda. Uh, it was held in the daytime. They took as many as 40 guys way back in the day and then uh, probably 30 when you would have been racing it. Uh, I know you went out and did some of that racing back in the day. I need some stories, man. Well, yeah, I mean, back, you know, we're talking, uh, you know, I think the ago. first, <laughs> yeah, the first Daytona, I tried Daytona a couple times. Um, the first time was 94. Um, I raced there and I raced 94, um, 96, 97, and then 98. So four times I rode Daytona. Um, I missed the best I did was 96. I missed the main by one spot in the LCQ. Um, I missed it by two in the semi. And then the LCQ, I don't think I got a great start. I battled back and I just came up short um, of making the main, which um, obviously bummed me out at the time because I thought uh, I thought I, I definitely should have been in that main. Because yeah, '96 I think they took 30, so um, you know, to not be you know, top 30 uh, was frustrating. But um, no, just the experience of. I mean, that's one of those, you know, we talked about, you know, Baker's factory and the goat farm and, um, you know, as far as racing venues go, I I don't think it gets any more iconic than, than Daytona, you know, whether you're a a supercross racer, a dirt track guy or a super bike, or even, you know, on the car side of things, um, Daytona is a pretty special place. And, um, you know, I, you're right. I mean, they raced in the day daytime back then um i just remember my first impressions of daytona was just how like how much the track changed from practice to uh the heat races to you know i want to say the main event but i didn't get to race the main event but the lcq um the track just deteriorated so quickly um because in those days, I feel like it was just, they just came in and piled dirt. And yeah, there was a little bit of shaping. There was a triple. Um, but everything was so uneven and unorthodox and no rhythm. Um, and then it got rough. So I just remember being just so technical and just so brutal. Like um, there was no, like I said, there's no rhythm to it. You just you hopped over holes and 
sometimes you landed in holes, you know, the bike would be sideways, it'd be straight, it'd be, you know, you'd go from the right side of the track, you'd jump to the left side of the track trying to miss holes and bumps. And um, it was, you know, it was very strange to to race there. But um, nowadays, I think it, it seems like the track's more, uh, kind of they try to make it a little more like a, a real supercross with the rhythms and, and stuff like that. But in those days, even if you go back and watch, I mean, I've gone back and watched YouTube tapes from, you know, 96, 97, um, you know, kind of that mid nineties era. And, uh, you know, the tracks are, they were tough, man. Like there was, like I said, there's just no, no rhythm, no rhyme or reason to, to what you're doing. It was just, you know, if you could hop over a hole or a bump, you did it because that just saved you a little bit of energy because in the next section you dropped into like a four foot deep, you know, black Florida sand hole and you almost went over the bars and you catch your breath and, and keep going. But, uh, it was just, like I said, it was just cool racing and, you know, looking up at in between races, looking up at that grandstand and, and knowing all the, the history that, uh, that was a part of that facility. It was just cool. Just being there. A racing surface as unique as the facility is in its own amazement. It's, it's a really, really cool place to go race. Uh, I haven't yet gone to actually watch a race there. Uh, it's definitely on the bucket list of, uh, of supercrosses to attend, uh, possibly in the new year. Uh, it's, it's now a, a Feld run event, which I've, if I've come to understand is, is a little bit easier for media to get proper access. So maybe I need to, uh, circle that on the calendar and just go this, this coming year. But when, so when you would go down there to race it, like who, like Canadians never travel alone when they head South, like who was the Motley crew that you were heading down there with? Where'd you guys stay? And, uh, was there ever any opportunities to go do some like money races to go like, um, go to Croom or something along those lines, Dade city and, and maybe, uh, uh, try and take a moto win off of a young hotshot by the name of Tim Ferry. <laughs> um, well, it was, you know, it was a bit of a, you know, kind of a, a free crawl back then. Um, I went a couple years, you know, kind of by myself or with a, you know, mechanic or a friend. Um, you know, my wife, who, you know, my girlfriend back then, but uh, she came with me one year um, and stayed for a while. Um, you know, a couple years. It's uh, a very understanding woman, Palms. Yeah. I mean, a couple of years, you know, John Nelson at the machine was like, you know, you guys got to save some money. So, um, you know, he, he had me and Ryan Gold go together. So we would stay down there for, for some time together. And, um, those times are fun cause you know, we'd ride, we'd go play tennis and, um, do some different stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as where we stayed, we always stayed, um, around Ocala because that was kind of the, at the time, that was the kind of centralized um, hotspot. Like there was a lot of guys, you know, when they came to Florida would stay around Ocala because there was a bunch of tracks, um, you know, kind of within, you know, half an hour of Ocala. So everyone kind of stayed there. And um, I remember we got lucky in, when I went in 94, I had, but the plan was to go and spend 
um, like, you know, month and a half. And I'd planned to camp at the K-Way campground just off I-75 in Ocala. And that was my plan. I priced it out, um, you know, all that stuff. Got there, drove in with my mechanic, and they were like, okay, you know, how long are you going to stay? And I'm like, wow, we're going to stay for a month and a half. And they're like, uh, do you have a, a bathroom? Because right at that time, I just had a box van. And I'm like, no, there's no, there's like a sleeping thing in there, but there's no, there's no bathroom. Like, well, you can't stay, um, you know, we can't sell you like a multiple week package if you don't have, um, bathroom in your vehicle. And I'm like, but you have restrooms there. And they're like, that doesn't matter. You have to buy a per night thing. And I'm like, well, that's not going to be that cheap. So, (laughs) um, anyway, we stayed one night there and then the next day, we drove around and just off one of those exits in Ocala, we just happened to pull in and there was this, you know, kind of, I don't know. It looked like one of those Howard Johnson or something hotels where, um, you know, all the rooms were on the outside. It was like two levels, right? Everything was on the outside. Like you've seen those before down there. And um, I'm like, this doesn't look, you know, too expensive. And there's like a, a sign, you know, flashing twenty nine ninety nine a night or something like. Well, this is kind of where we're at, right? So we went in and was that gas prices in twenty twenty two? Yeah. So I talked to the owner and I'm like, hey, uh, you know, this is what we want to do. We're going to be here, you know, over a month. Um, and the guy was, he's like, where are you from? And I said, well, you know, we're from Canada. And he's like, we're in Canada. And I'm like, well, just like near Toronto, like an hour by Toronto. He's like, oh, okay. I'm from Nova Scotia because I, I retired down here and I own this hotel and, um, you know, what do you want to pay? And I said, well, I don't want to pay you a lot. Like, he said, well, how about 200 bucks a week? And I'm like, perfect. So we stayed there. Like I said, that was 94. We stayed there 94. I stayed there 96, 97, 98. We stayed there for like five years and uh, it was always the same price. It was clean. It was, you know, the guy treated us good. There's laundry there, like it was. Uh, it was ideal for what uh, for what we were doing down there. So, um, yeah, a lot of cool, a lot of cool memories, definitely from from those days in Florida. That's awesome, dude. Honestly, I think we need we need to do a podcast where I just have you on and I just like I'll just story time with palms and uh, and dig into some of the stuff from from the 90s and, and maybe even bring on one of your uh, your old running mates that you used to just mob around Ontario maybe an old mechanic if you if you still are in contact with some of those guys I'm sure the stories are absolutely legendary uh, not totally unlike the ones that we mentioned that uh, get tossed around at, at things like that Yamaha intro in Canada where uh, some of my favorite memories I have with some of the guys I, I race I ride with locally like Sean Wedge and uh, Chris Ryan and all those guys is literally the times where we talk about the times we had before, like literally like the, just like some of my most fond memories are just rehashing old stories. And and then that's, I think that's uh, uh, why motocross is just a social sport. Uh, we, we all consume it at the, the level that we, the best level we can. And we like kind of crack on each other for not being as fast as we say we are. And, uh, yeah, we just love it, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I went on about the, the Florida stuff. I know you asked about, about Quebec and, 
Yes. You know, the battles, the battles in some of those arena crosses. And, uh, you know, back then, in those days, it wasn't so much a battle against, um, you know, Ontario versus Quebec. It was, um, it was more of a battle, um, you know, Canada versus U.S. because, um, you know, uh, Mike Jones would always be there. I don't think I raced too many arena crosses in Quebec where Mike Jones wasn't, you know, wasn't there racing, um, you know, race Somo, um, uh, Rich Taylor. Um, yeah, just Mike Treadwell, Keith Johnson. Like there was just, there's always six or seven American guys that would come up, um, on any given weekend and add to the, uh, the excitement of the program. And then you throw in, you know, the Ballancourts, the JS, JSRs, the, you know, Alex Longevins, you know, myself, um, Doug DeHaan, um, you know, the list, the list goes on, but, uh, um, yeah, those were, uh, there were good battles. And, um, I mean, one arena cross that, that always stands out when you're talking about, you know, cool events is, is the Revere Duluth arena cross. And I think last year, I think it was last year, they, they uh, celebrated uh, their 40th anniversary because they had, they had to take a couple years off because of COVID. But um, yeah, that race has been around a long time. And um, one of these years I keep meaning to, to get back because Paul Thibault, who's the promoter, invites me back every year. And, um, you know, I always say thank you, but no thank you. But, um, yeah, that race, uh, for a lot of guys, I mean, there's not too many. Every time Ryan Lockhart and I get together, we we talk River Duluth stories. And, um, you know, I'm sure it's the same with with anyone that's that's been there. But, um, yeah, it was uh, it was special. And um, I had. Um, everywhere I had every experience there from uh, winning a main event um, to, you know, finishing second behind Ross Pedersen in 1990 as a 16-year-old. Um, that was cool. Um, you know, getting, <clears throat> excuse me, completely cleaned out by Todd DeHoop in 91 and having, you know, my shoulder uh, separated and um i went from you know feeling good to upside down you know thanks to thanks to todd but i mean he was he was just going for a win so it wasn't uh i don't blame him but uh yeah it was uh lots of cool memories from there both on and off the track i mean there used to be some good uh good parties and stuff there too because you know the, the town would Literally, the town would kind of not shut down, but the town would just totally embrace the event. And I mean, I think it's a, at that time it was a town of you know fifteen thousand people or something like that. But um, whenever the arena cross came to town, which was always you know mid-May or something, so it was still a little bit cold, a little cool up in uh, in River Duluth. But uh, yeah, the whole town would just welcome the riders and and treat them, you know, almost like, 
like celebrities. Like I remember walking through the, the shopping mall there and people stopping and asking for your autograph. And, um, you know, you'd be like, are you sure? Like, did they think I'm somebody else? And they'd be like, no, no, you know, Chris Pomeroy, you know, and I'm like, yeah, like they know who I am, but, um, you know, yeah, you felt like a, like a celebrity for a weekend and, uh, it was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And yet like motocross, it's, that's why they call it throttle therapy, man. It, it creates memories on and off the track. And uh, great to hear that you have so many to look back on and the fact that you continue to still make them given the fact that only just weeks ago you were uh, you were down south doing exactly that. Uh, last couple of things I have for you here on the Big MX Radio podcast brought to you by Fox Racing Canada. Uh, obviously I, I know you're always kitted head to toe in Fox on and off the track, by the way, you're always uh, in the pits, uh, like just come and correct as, as I like to call it. Just, uh, you got the brand new hats, this, that, and the other thing looking good in Fox. Um, but, uh, if you could, uh, wave a magic wand and, uh, and make a couple of changes, make a couple of improvements, uh, to the current, uh, Canadian, can it, can it, professional Canadian, national situation as far as like uh length of motos what have you uh what are the one or one or two changes that chris pomeroy is making um <clears throat> well i mean i will say that um before i you know before i talk about any any changes i mean i think the the people running the series um you know jetworks and and everyone involved with triple crown series. I mean, I think they deserve, you know, a ton of credit for, for what they've done um, up till this point, especially the last two years, right. With COVID, um, you know, I know last year, excuse me, you could have limited fans, but I mean, for that, for 2020, I mean, there was no fans allowed. Um, You know, we're under pretty tight restrictions, as you know, and, they still found a way to make the series work, albeit, you know, in the East only, but um, it was still technically a series um, with, you know, 99% of the top riders in the country. Um, And, you know, they lost money. Of course they lost money. I mean, how would they not lose money when you're not have spectators, right? So um, yeah, good on them for, for kind of bridging, bridging uh, that gap through through covid um amen and but you know moving forward um you know if i had a, a magic wand like you said um i think i would try to find a way to to go back to wild rose um for a round um you know i'm not saying go to wild rose and, and not go to Drumheller. Ideally, it'd be awesome to go to both. Um, I don't want to take anything away from from Drum, Drumheller and you know the work that they've that they put in there. But um, I think anytime you have uh, a track and facility um, with the location that Wild Rose um, has, uh, I mean that would be the gem of any series. Um, in the world. I mean, imagine an MXGP, you know, if they had a wild rose in the middle of a city, um, you know, or even AMA or something like that, like, um, 
I think when you have a facility like that, you have to find a way to, <clears throat> excuse me, to make it work, to go there. Um, so that would probably be first and foremost. Um, you know, I imagine, you know, the West series with the opening round in Kamloops, and then you go to Wild Rose, Drumheller, and then Manitoba. You know, there's four strong Western rounds um, to start off the series. Um, I think that would be, uh, that would be awesome for, for 23 and beyond. Um, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, as far as little things, you know, yeah, moto length in the, in the 250 class, um, you know, that's something that, that could be worked on, um, or changed, but I don't think that's going to, you know, make or break anything. Um, you know, it's, I think it's the same old, the same old story. Um, you know, now that we've, you know, we're on the recovery side of, of the pandemic, um, it would be nice to just see some, you know, bigger title type sponsors come back to the series and, you know, kind of ease up the, the financial burden that uh, Jetworks has had to endure the last few years. Um, I think that, you know, the, the presence of a, you know, whether it's an energy drink or, or whatever, right. Just, the presence of a title sponsor that brings, you know, a chunk of money, um, you would just see that trickle down to uh, so many, so many aspects of, of the racing, right. Whether it's, um, you know, the facilities or the riders getting paid more. I mean, of course the riders need to get paid more, right. I mean, they're the show, they're the risk takers, they're the ones, you know, going down south in February to get ready for a series that starts in June. Um, you know, they deserve, you know, thousands more dollars right now. Are they going to get that much? No, but they certainly deserve more. And I think, uh, you know, a title sponsor um, would help, like I said, help ease some of the burden that that uh, the promoters and stuff have to deal with. And that would make, you know, that would get the series kind of fully back from, from pre pandemic, um, how it used to be. So, um, other than that, um, I don't know. I, I think it's running. Um, I think it, it, things are running smoothly. They seem to be improving. I know from, you know, behind the scenes, the communication is getting better each year with, with team managers and, you know, um, everything's, you know, kind of on track that way. I feel, um, I heard some, you know, there's some talk of some, you know, maybe a couple, you know, not huge name riders, but a couple new riders coming to the series next year. Um, you know, that would be super cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. just, keep plugging along. It's a, it's a good series. Um, and, uh, you know, it could be, like I said, I think that if you could go back to wild Rose as a, you know, get around there, that would be step one in, in kind of just really tying, tying things in. Right. 
Yeah, that actually, that was going to be my last question for you. What is the facility that we are not currently racing at that you'd like to see either see come back on the schedule or or be added? And I think you're totally right. I think the the embarrassment of riches and being that close to city center of Calgary is too tantalizing to pass up. I think uh, it's it's one of the, the better tracks that, uh, that is anywhere close to. Uh, a big city obviously that one's actually in a big city and it's a great uh great facility in in and of itself so i would love to see it go back there as well uh chris pomeroy here on the big mx radio podcast i really appreciate the time man always a pleasure to reconnect and uh yeah this was a good one this was a long one people are gonna enjoy it well i mean i hope so like you said i got uh you know i have a lot of stories um you know and i i don't mean that from from a bragging point of view it's just you know, that's what happens when, when you're around for so long. Yeah. <laughs> things just, no, it is things like, happen and then, uh, yeah. you know, and I, you got a good memory for it too. Uh, good storyteller. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, uh, I do consider myself very, uh, very fortunate that, um, that, you know, not only have I been around, <clears throat> excuse me, a long time, but, uh, that I've experienced, you know, the different, so many different eras, Right. And that, like I said, I, when I turned pro, you know, I, I raced against, you know, Al Dick, Rollerball, um, Shane Drew, <clears throat> uh, Chris Ship Clark, like, um, you know, some of those guys. Um, and then after that, it was, you know, kind of the JSRs and, you know, that year. And then got to experience a little bit of the early 2000s when, when the sport kind of changed, you know, probably had its biggest change in its history, um, in 2000 there, um, you know, so I experienced that. And, and of course, uh, you know, I wasn't necessarily on the racetrack after that, but, uh, I was certainly close by watching everything. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, like I said, I just feel, feel fortunate that, uh, that I can, uh, relate some of the old stories and, um, that they're sitting there in my, in my memory bank. Certainly, my friend. Well, I appreciate you uh, bestowing us with some of these stories. We're going to pick your brain again uh, in the not-so-distant future. But uh, like I said, again, I really do appreciate you coming on, and uh, we're going to do this again sometime. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, keep doing uh, keep doing what you're doing and and stay warm here as it gets uh, get into winter months. Yes, sir. Bundling up as we speak. Uh, Chris Palm, so appreciate you coming on the show. Do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, let's cut it off right there. Well, there you have it. My interview with none other than Chris Pomeroy over at MXP Magazine, uh, MX Performance. Uh, great magazine when I was a kid. Used to flip through those for days months even and just like comb through looking at the pictures memorizing stuff just like noticing different details that i hadn't noticed before reading articles reading interviews uh, and you can do the same thing on the website so uh, go on over to mxp magazine uh, mxp.com and uh, go check it out check them out on, on instagram as well great follow and uh, yeah thanks again for palms for making the time Thanks everyone who makes the time to listen to the Big MX Radio podcast. Uh, hopefully you guys are supporting the sponsors like uh, WUSA, Guts Racing, Phoenix Handlebars, 
Um, and of course, Fox Racing Canada. Uh, we can't thank those guys enough for uh, hooking things up on the gear side and uh, helping us out uh, throughout the year. Um, that relationship is amazing. And uh, hopefully you guys are Fox Racing fans because I certainly am. So have yourself a great one, guys. And uh, looking forward to getting another podcast out next week. Take care.